What's up, everybody? It's the Junkyard Dogcast. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. With me, Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell, also of Dogs 24-7. Got a lot to talk about. Georgia got a commitment. Four-star tight end Oscar Delp. That makes seven four-star tight ends or you know, ranked higher, four-star or higher tight ends since Kirby Smart has uh, has started signing recruiting classes at Georgia. Uh, we're going to talk about Oscar Delp here a little bit uh, to lead off the show. Then we we're going to talk about one big thought going into this Georgia-Kentucky game, top 11 matchup uh, between these two teams, the two SEC's two undefeated teams uh, uh, remaining uh, here in, in, in Athens tomorrow, or not tomorrow, I guess. I guess if you're listening to the podcast, it'll be tomorrow. Uh, day after tomorrow, if you're watching this live YouTube show. And then uh, we're going to talk about our picks. We're going to give our picks, player of the game, scores, and uh, and and really get after it. Uh, but before we get started, hit that subscribe button. Give us a shot. Know when we're going to do this. And, uh, and, and definitely uh, tune in every week because we're only getting better and better, and we're enjoying it. We're loving it. So, Rusty, Oscar Delp. Four-star tight end, top 100 overall prospect in the country. He's number three tight end in the country per the composite, number two according to the 24-7 sports in-house rankings. What's Georgia getting here? You know, I, I was sitting with some recruiting guys, some guys we know and friends of ours in the business, and when you haven't seen Oscar Delp in person, for it really kind of surprises you how big he is. I mean, he is legit 6'5", and um, 228 pounds, and you know, sitting there talking to him last night, I kind of knew a little bit of the story, but it kind of reminds you like his mom is a South Carolina grad. His grandmother is a South Carolina grad. They have a house two blocks from Williams Bryce Stadium. I mean, they can see the lights. His uncle played for Clemson. His father went to University of Michigan. So when you look at that table, the really the only school that didn't really have the connection was Georgia other than being 45 minutes away. So, you know, this was a kid that was really had connections other where, you know, other other areas. Mom, Mary, she didn't hide the fact that she really loved Shane Beamer. Uh, she's a huge Gamecock fan. But at the end of the day, it's her son. It was his decision. And uh, Oscar felt, you know, he felt uh, Georgia, Todd Hartley, uh, you know, told me a little bit before we went on the air that this has been a, you know, a silent commit now for a while. And uh, he, he really just. He wanted to see Georgia play. He was going to commit in August, but he wanted to see Georgia play. You know, they kept saying they're going to do this and do that. When Brock Bowers come out and has done what he done, what he has done, how Georgia has used him, um, you know, he's been to Athens a lot more times. You know, talking to him last night, he's been to Athens a lot more times than it was reported. I can tell you that. He's been down there a lot. Uh, so he's very familiar with us players and things like that. So, it was a big get, you know, he's a, he's a very fluid athlete. He's that new age tight end. I mean, but the thing I'd say about Oscar, he can block. Now, he's a physical kid. He can get on the edge and block a little bit too. So he's not just a, you know, a hybrid slash wide receiver out there. If they have to put him on the edge to block in a, in a goal line situation, I think he can block a, an SEC defensive end. But I saw Todd Hartley's Instagram last night and he was out celebrating with his wife and he should be man, because Todd Hartley is just stacking that room and, Kirby Smart's going to have to write him a different contract probably at the end of this year because his room is stacked and Todd Hartley's doing a great, great job and probably not done there with news in that room uh, sooner than later. Kip, you brought up the fact when we were leading into this not to bet against Todd Hartley. Talk to us a little bit of just kind of about what Todd Hartley has done in these past three classes and and also, uh, you know, your general thoughts on Delp. Yeah, I mean – 
even before he got to Georgia, I mean, at, at Miami, you know, he was an outstanding recruiter and had brought in the nation's number one tight end, Brevin Jordan, you know, down there. He's a guy that just really, really works on relationships. And he he's definitely a relentless recruiter. I mean, that's, that's definitely his style of recruiting. He's going to make sure if you're a priority, you're going to know it when Todd Hartley's recruiting you. It's just he makes sure he, he knows – who you have in your circle, who you're close with, and he builds connections with those guys too. And yeah, I mean, since he's got to Georgia, he's just kind of continued that. I mean, he, he helped Georgia, you know, not just at tight end, he helped them with Carson Beck with connections there and making sure they had a quarterback, you know, uh, in, the, in the last cycle as well. And Darnell Washington, I mean, he had the, those connections with Brevin Jordan in Las Vegas. I mean, getting the, you know, a top prospect out of Nevada and just going back and being able to do it again, you, you know, having those established connections when you have another elite prospect that, you know, maybe it just kind of worked out for Todd in that avenue, but he made sure that he he used it to his advantage. And so, yeah, throughout his career, he's been just known as a relentless guy and, and a guy who, who's making sure to, to make connections wherever he's at because you never know when they're going to come in handy. And, you know, with Oscar Delp, I think it's just a situation like Rusty said, this is a guy that really told Georgia, everything you're telling me, you know, over the summer sounds good, but I need to see it on the field. And he was a guy that could have made a decision going late into the summer. And I mean, would it have been Georgia if he had decided back then? Now, that's tough to say, but he made that decision to wait until the season started and, I mean, now, you know, you've been able to see six games of Georgia and, and see the, the tight end position catch 24 balls for 374 yards and four touchdowns and then even see a tight end get an end-around touchdown run. I don't think that you can make a much better pitch to a prospect than how that Georgia's used to tight end and Todd Monken's offense so far this year. So, you know, I think it made that decision, you know, with each week, as he said, it made it a lot easier for him. And, you know, the only thing I'll say about you know, as far as him as a player and getting that style of tight end, it's it's tough for him because now Brock Bowers has kind of set the bar unbelievably high. And as a prospect, Brock Bowers, I mean, we we knew we had verified testing numbers that this guy was a freak athlete at the position. And from everything that we had heard out there is that he's intelligent and, and, and a great blocker, a tough player as well. We know that you know, that Georgia's landed another guy in Oscar Delp that ha that kind of has the the same mold and the same build. It's just tough to, to say, hey, they got another guy like Brock Bowers. All we can say is that Todd Hartley stacked that position room, and he's got guys he can do a lot of different things with, and, and adding him to the mold is only going to help. As Rusty said, and I, I said in the other podcast, I mean, you look at 2023, 2024, uh, Todd Harley, he's not taking that foot off the gas. He is, he's making sure that he continues to stockpile that room and he's got multiple guys. Cause I think it's clear with, with Georgia running, you know, a, a lot of 13 personnel out there, they want a lot of tight ends. They can do a lot of different things and, and they want guys that they can, they can put in motion before the snap to, to really confuse defenses. And, and I, I don't think that's going to be an issue with the way, the way Harley's recruiting right now. I got yeah, I got to bust in, Jake. I'm gonna bust in. Yeah, my go man, ahead. Vic, my man Victor Lowe right here is checking in from Malaysia. From Malaysia, my man. I don't <laughs> know. It's midnight, so maybe you you had a couple, but uh, glad to have you, my man from Malaysia. Yeah, that's awesome. That's, I was noticing the same thing. I was definitely gonna point that out. 
That is the midnight viewing. That is yeah. that is a yo and a worthy of a mention. So man, glad to have you from Malaysia. We're big in Malaysia. We're hey, big we're in Malaysia. We're huge. We're huge. We got a great. <laughs> we got a big Christmas album over there coming out. So cheers, you'll, Victor. You'll love it. You'll love it. We're, we're hot. Ready, we're man. hot in the Malaysian streets. Okay, <laughs> we are hot in the Malaysian streets. Uh, I got Derek Durham also uh, lives in Lexington. Grew up there. Uh, Georgia needs to win so Derek uh, doesn't have to deal with with uh, rowdy Kentucky fans. So uh, you know Kirby. Uh, smart if you're if you're listening if you're tuning in today like we know you are uh hook, hook up Derek Durham here with a win because he needs it uh listen George is looking here to kind of get their version of of Noah Fant and uh and TJ Hawkinson here a couple of highly drafted tight ends you know they, they're wadding them up here different styles different guys uh you know got Darnell Washington being what he is you know you've got uh Brock Bowers and and uh and, uh, uh, you know, uh, Oscar Delp coming in. I mean, Georgia's got some guys here that that have the potential to be high draft picks and to kind of continue to set this program up. Listen, Georgia's never had a problem really recruiting tight ends. I mean, there may be a gap here or there, but I mean, you go all the way back to, you know, Jermaine Wiggins, Larry Brown, and, and, cool. and Leonard Pope. And, be. you know, yeah, we're going way back there. I mean, you know, uh, uh, Orson Charles. Randy, and Randy McMichael. Uh, Either Randy McMichael, you, yeah. Either one of you, either one of you know what high school Larry Brown went to. Don't touch your keyboards. It's no longer school, have, but it I have no play. clue. Yeah, I remember. That, I have no uh, clue. You remember Crim High School? I do. Alonzo Crim. Crim High School put out a lot of talent. Larry Brown was one of the last guys there. Where, where, so, where was that? Where, where I think Crim, I think Crim went into Stevenson. Okay. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, so. Gotcha. That makes sense. Okay. Yep, yep. Yeah. I, I had no idea. I, I, I mean, and, and I'm, you know, I, I remember a lot of those guys from those days and where they were from, but I, no. I, I would have, that one I'm was a complete. I'm a one. tad bit older than you pups. So, so Cram was an <laughs> early nineties, uh, pretty good, pretty good Atlanta area high school, put out a lot of players, but Larry Brown played basketball there. And, and mm-hmm. I ain't heard that name. It was on a different year. It was on a different yeah. year as far as basketball and football. Like he had eligibility mm-hmm. left in one whenever the other one was up. And yeah. uh, I remember him catching a double pass from Michael Greer, I believe, in the 98 Tech game. Uh, George ended up losing that one. Kind of a tough call at the end of that game caused him to lose it. But, uh, yeah, that was a uh, – yeah, Larry Brown was a good one. Then you get all the way up to Orson Charles and 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 Arthur Lynch. And even as far as recruiting, Nadaris Ward. Everybody wanted Nadaris Ward oh, out of man. California. And he didn't work mm-hmm. out at Georgia. But – he was still legit. I mean, big time prospect and a guy they had to fight real hard for. Uh, that's actually one position that Georgia has recruited nationally at at a pretty high level for the probably the past couple of decades. They've been able to go out and you know get Arthur Lynch from Massachusetts and you know get Orson Charles from Tampa, which they had had a pipeline built there with Aaron Murray anyway. And then you know going out and getting a Darius Ward and some guys from all the way you know all across the country. So uh, you know tight end is is strong in Athens. Everybody's familiar with the hobnail boot play, Veron Haynes. Right. But I don't think many people talk about that catch Randy McMichael made to get him down to the 20. Right. I mean, that ball, he was contested, two guys hanging over him. And, you know, David Green had to take a chance to throw one in the middle of the field in coverage, and Randy McMichael would have got that ball. So that enabled him to get down to that end. Doesn't I believe he had a couple of nice catches on he that He did drive. have a couple drives, but that one ball over the middle, man, he went and got yeah. that thing. And uh, Peach County stepped up in that game for sure. Absolutely. All right. Let's talk about one main thing going into this game, Rusty. We're going to go you and then we're going to take a break here real quick. But main thought all week long, Georgia, Kentucky, what are you thinking? I say it every week. I mean, it's a theme. If you're elite, you win this game, you're a three touchdown favorite for a reason. 
I think Kentucky is drastically improved. Mark Stoops does a hell of a job. This is not a game you want to be banged up in, and they're banged up in some, cru some crucial spots. A wide receiver, those two D tackles being out, uh, you got to win some one-on-one -on -one battles out on the edge. I'm interested to see how Georgia does with, with Wondell Robinson. But uh, for me, if you're elite, that's kind of going to be the thing. You go handle business at home. We just put out that visit list. I mean, that was incredible once we confirmed everything and named. So if you're not a member of Dogs 247, that, that, that visit list right there is as good as I've seen on the Kirby Smart minus the Notre Dame game. So my message is if you're elite, you go handle this game. You take care of business. I don't care if it's JT Daniels, Stetson Bennett. On paper, you're the better team. Go out and continue to to uh, you know prove it each week. Could not ask for a better atmosphere. Every single high almost in college football media is on this game. Game days in town. SEC Nations in town. If you're elite, you handle business this weekend. All right, guys, it's break time, and I've said it before. Y'all don't crack up this time. Burn them if you got them. You got 30 seconds. We'll be right back. All right, Kip, you are up, okay? Thoughts going into this game all week long. Something consistent that you felt all week about this game. I think that Kentucky hasn't really been tested on the road. You did kind of look at their schedule. There's a little bit of fool's gold in there and the fact that they've only played at South Carolina so far this year. And so that game was in the middle of a stretch of one possession wins for them. And then at the same time, you kind of look at the fact that they – turn the ball over a lot i mean tw 12 turnovers in six games is pretty rough and they're not getting the ball back they're not getting turnovers on their side either so it just you know that's that's kind of the the way i felt about this game all week is that kentucky a team that i said before the season i thought would probably end up being number two in the east really thought that they had a chance to, to kind of take that next step and obviously so far they've done really well but I mean, they got a heck of a schedule coming up still. They got to go. I mean, their road games are coming up. Uh, you know, I think in the end, they'll still end up being number two, but it's a big step going from number two to number one, I think, right now. There's some separation there, and I think we're going to see that this weekend. And I just don't think they've played in an atmosphere, again, like I said, having only had to play at South Carolina so far this year. It's going to be a little different in Athens. They've already shown they can do it at noon. You know, at 3.30, I think that, you know, the, the crowd will still be there. It's a team that really hasn't had – I mean, I think they're second in the conference in penalties, but I just think it, it's going to be a different atmosphere in Sanford. I think we're going to find out that – I don't – I think they're a little bit of fool's gold as far as just where they are. I mean, we, we, we've kind of seen that with a couple teams that Georgia's played this year that, you know – it's made to be. It's made to seem that it could be a trap game. It could be a close game. I, I just think that there's going to be some some significant separation in these teams, especially uh, you know as far as Kentucky's offense is concerned, trying to get anything going in the ground game. I like Chris Rodriguez a lot. Cavassier Smoke, you know, two guys from Watumpka, Alabama, and and uh, I, I believe uh, Ola McDonough High School in Georgia. Two guys that have you know, done a really good job for them and, and made things a little bit easier for that offense, but it's not going to be easy for the offense against Georgia. And I think that's going to make it real tough for them to, to kind of get things going in the end. So, you know, I, I, I think Georgia, I think the line right now is, is kind of been what between 21 and 23 points all week. Uh, I, I don't see an issue with that. In fact, I, I think Georgia uh, wins this one going away and, you know, and, 
the third quarter, it's, it's, you know, they've already covered going into halftime. I think there's a good chance of that. I think in the end, Kentucky doesn't get in the end zone. They turn the ball over again. And, and I think that you look at last year's game, it was kind of a battle of, uh, of the ground game. And for, for Georgia, I think we've started to see Zamir White start to get, you know, real strong in the second half. And I think this could be that game. He hasn't had 20 carries yet this year. He hasn't had to. But I think they, they get him lathered up in this game. I think he goes, what, 22 for, you know, maybe maybe 140, 150 gets in the end zone and, uh, you know, has a strong stretch right now, starts to emerge as one of the better backs in the SEC. You start to see some more explosiveness from him each week. So I got Zamir White as my player of the game, and uh, I got Georgia winning this one 41 to 9. Who you got, player? You got Zamir White as the player of the game? Mm-hmm. Good deal. Good deal. All right, Rusty, what you got as far as the pick goes? Um, this stat was given to me this morning on a conference call, uh, a, a different call for high school football. Our good buddy Brandon Adams over at Dog Nation Daily told me that Georgia is 0 5 versus a spread with two outright losses under Kirby Smart going into the bye week, which was interesting. You know, that was interesting. Two outright losses. Um, 0-5 and it's a spread. So there's that. And I'm sure that's been brought up. That, and that, and that, I'm sure that's been brought up that the two losses uh, to this team going into bye weeks. But I just – I feel like this team is is just is, – is there. The leadership's there. Obviously, the personnel's there. I like this matchup for Georgia. Last week, I predicted 24-6. to They got a touchdown. I think we're all pretty much in the same – area of scores last week and um, you know they got a touchdown tank bigs be heck of a run this week uh unless something crazy crazy happens um i just think george is going to be too much for kentucky they don't turn the ball over uh, a little bit banged up so i'm going to go georgia 31 and i'm going to go six again and we'll see if georgia can keep them out but i think as of right now i would say you know later i would take them what we're doing now i would take I'd lay the points for Georgia, and uh, and do it. So I'm going to say Georgia. I'm going I'm going to go 31 to 31 to six final, and uh, I, I'm going to go back. I'll go back, and I think it's time uh, for Brock Bowers because I think some other guys are going to be in there. Going to be some focus. Uh, we I I'm assuming Stetson Bennett, even it's JT Daniels. He's been a target of both of those guys. I think it's time to get Brock Bowers back involved with this. And they've seen how some defenses shell him uh, in some situations. So you scheme that up to get him more touches. I think Brock Bauer scores a touchdown, and I think he has five or six good targets, and he might wind up to, you know, Lad McConkey had the yardage last week. He's going to get some attention. That's going to free some things up in the middle of the field. And I think Brock Bowers is going to be the beneficiary of that. And I'll go with him as player of the game. Yeah, I've one thing I've thought about all week is the parallels between Kentucky and, and Arkansas. Two teams blue collar head coaches, uh, physical teams, teams that play hard. Um, you know, Mark Stoops, I think is, is obviously further along in building his program, but I think there's similar talent levels, similar in style in a lot of ways, run first teams. Uh, you, you kind of get the picture there and listen, I have a lot of respect for teams like that. I got a lot of respect for you know, Sam Pittman. I got a lot of respect for Mark Stoops. I think both of them are doing an incredible job at schools where it's not, super easy to do an incredible job it's not a super easy to win a lot of games and if you would have told somebody five six seven years ago hey arkansas and kentucky 
after after you know six games in the in the 2021 season, um, those teams are going to be combined ten and two with you know with one of those losses being you know an an incredibly an, an incredibly competitive game with Arkansas. Um, so I think these two teams are so similar. And I think the result ultimately is going to be pretty similar too, but for different reasons. One, Kentucky's beat up on the defensive line, and that's just not where you want to be beat up against Georgia. So is Kentucky going to have to try and borrow, um, and and you know from the secondary borrow from the rest of the defense to try and not die by a thousand cuts against Georgia like Arkansas did? Because I can't imagine a guy like Mark Stoops, a defensive coach, is just going to kind of, you know give up pride like that you know i mean i just and i'm not saying barry odom did but they did arkansas did what they did and and what they had been successful with kentucky is not i just don't think they're going to let georgia do that i mean georgia may do it anyway but i think they're going to try to stop the run and i think the passing game has a pretty solid game i really do i think georgia's going to hit some big plays in this one i think tennessee i mean i'm sorry kentucky is going to pay um the price for having to come up and stop the run and, uh, you know, I, I really like, the, you know, I don't care if it's just JT Daniels or Stetson Bennett. Both of them have proved that they can stretch the field. And, um, you know, be interesting to see what Georgia ever does with a four-quarter game as far as explosive play goes. You see those explosive play stats, and most of them don't take into account the fact that 20 minutes, 20-plus minutes of basically every game, Georgia's letting the air add to football and, you know, running it into the teeth of big boxes because they're trying to get out of town. And, uh, you know, I think Georgia's going to be a little healthier receiver this year. Uh, this week, um, you know, I, I've I've tossed around a couple scores this week, but I think Kentucky's going to get a touchdown late in this one. I think Kentucky's run game, as physical as it is, is going to find a way to kind of mash out a drive, maybe in the you know early for early to mid fourth quarter, and uh, and figure out a way to score a touchdown. And I think they're going to get one score early. It's just not going to be a touchdown. I like Georgia thirty eight to ten in this one. Um, I really think Georgia's going to going to throw the ball well. I think they're going to hit some explosive plays early. And I like what Kip said about Georgia approaching a cover in the first half. And, and I think that's something that Georgia's going to come out and start fast. That environment, we've seen how Georgia plays in front of its home environment whenever it's like it is. And it was that way to an extent for UAB because it was the home opener. It was that way for South Carolina because it was a night game. It was that way for Arkansas because Kirby Smart asked for it. And it's going to be that way again this week because it's a big game. And and I, I, I'm with Rusty on this. I think this is a different Georgia football team. And I also think that, you know, what I had a better tell me a little while back, this kind of stuck with me, is there's one team every year that you just kind of ride them no matter what. They, they buck all the trends. They cover. They win you money. I think Georgia covers in this one, 38-10. to 10. And I like A.D. Mitchell for player of the game. I think that, you know, Lab McConkey's probably earned himself some, some, some attention. I think Brock Bowers has earned himself some attention. So pick your poison, and it's going to be A.D. Mitchell is the guy who maybe has a game kind of like South Carolina, maybe an extra catch or two to get him to that 100-yard mark. But I think he'll be the player of the game. And I think you're going to have – two or three Georgia tailbacks right there over 50 yards. Georgia throws for 250, rushes for right around 200 and um, moves to 7-0 in the season going into the bye week and getting ready for the cocktail party. Uh, any parting shots before we get going here? I'm, I'm seeing, I'm seeing I think uh, I think it's impressive what you said. If, if Georgia runs for that, I don't think a team's run for uh, over 175 on, on Kentucky this year. So, Well, Kentucky had Octavius Oxendine in those games, mm -hmm. and he's a stud. He's a good player. I went back and watched them, and he really stood out. No no Marquand McCall, no Octavius Oxendine. 
Uh, no one's thrown for over 300 either. So it's just kind of like Arkansas. It's just that bend but yeah. don't break type mm-hmm. defense. But I, I do really think solid, Georgia's- really solid football team, like a really good solid football team. That's probably I don't even want to say they're not going to beat themselves, even though the last couple games they haven't really been bitten by the turnover bug. Uh, but but you know they just they play hard they play four quarters you're not going to just outlast them and get them to give up uh but at the same time i just think georgia is going to be a little bit too much for them 38 to 10 is my pick and i think all of us pick georgia to cover so um those of you out there who you know talk about us clipping coupons we ain't clipping the coupons man we ain't clipping the coupons we're picking georgia to cover again again all right, guys, I uh, want to go ahead and give everybody a heads up on this, okay? Schedule next week's probably going to be a little bit different. There's no press conference on Monday. We will be back with you two times at least next week, probably do a couple mailbags and really get to some questions, maybe dig in on some recruiting and, and get into that type of stuff. And we'll also be back with you Saturday after the game. I believe that's going to be Kip on the uh, on the call there. Kip will be handling that for us, and uh, that'll be that. So, But for this episode of the Junkyard Dogcast, I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. They're Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell from the same place, and y'all take it easy. <laughs>